Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our gospel lesson today is from Matthew 11, and the context is that John the Baptist was in prison, and he sent some messengers to Jesus saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So this is like immediately what precedes the text that we actually read. I just want to give you that context. Jesus answered them and he said, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. In other words, Jesus said, yes, I am he, the Messiah. You need not look for another. The people were looking for a great and mighty Messiah. Bum, 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 bum. 50 foot tall Messiah, the king, to come and to conquer. That's what they were looking for. So John asks, are you the one? And Jesus turns him right back to the word and said, yes. Trust the words from the prophets that they spoke about the Messiah. They receive sight. The blind receive sight. The lame are made to walk. See, these scriptures are fulfilled, and you see that so you can be confident and know that, yes, I am the Messiah. See, Jesus wasn't 50 foot tall. But he was born of a woman and he suffered. He experienced pain and suffering. Okay, so that leads us up to the text that we have today. And I hope that that context will help to make sense of it. Because Jesus says, to what shall I compare this generation? Well, it's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. If this sounds like Jesus is being like mocking and condescending, he is, absolutely. In a very mocking and condescending tone, he's telling this generation that they're like little children. Well, we're playing the game, Jesus, by our rules, and we sang a song, but you didn't dance. You didn't do it the way you're supposed to do it, Jesus. That's not how the game is played. And Jesus calls them out. You're like children. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yeah, Jesus is saying that they are like little children. They will not accept John as the forerunner of Christ. If you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. That's what Jesus said. But they say, no, no, John's just, he has a demon. We're not accepting John. He's not Elijah. He's not the forerunner of Christ. He's not playing by our rules. No. And nor will they accept Jesus as the Messiah. Oh, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's not the game we set up, Jesus. You can't be the Messiah. 
not the way you're doing things. That's all wrong. This is what's going on. And he's saying, no, you guys are like children for not seeing and believing the word, God's word, because these prophecies were clear. Well, they weren't clearly understood, but they were clear. Of course, it's easier for us in hindsight to look back on it. it. Okay, so the Pharisees had set, they had basically worked hard to set up the game and they expected the Messiah to come and play by their rules. But Jesus said, uh, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. That's why he went to tax collectors and to sinners because they're the ones who needed a Messiah. He didn't go to the ones who said, oh no, we're righteous on our own. We got it all figured out. Jesus came for the sick, the sinful, the broken down. The contrite tax collector, for example. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. The Canaanite woman that said, yeah, Jesus, I'll be a dog if I can be your dog. The disciple who denied Jesus three times. Peter, he did three times. Yeah, Jesus came for him. The disciples that scattered when the going got tough. Even Paul, think about it. Even Paul who persecuted the church, even gave the approval for Stephen, the first martyr, to be stoned. That came from Paul. And Jesus came to die for Paul's sins and for Stephen's sins and for Mary's sins and for your sins. That is how the game will be played, if we're going to call it that. So today is Reformation Day, in case you couldn't tell with all the red and the, the uh, over-the-top Reformation hymns that we sing today. We remember fondly the blessed Dr. Martin Luther, who also would not play the game the way it had been set up. He didn't play according to the contrived rules of the Pope. The Pope stood in the seat of Jesus Christ, the Bishop of Rome. I mean, it's a rightful position. There is a, a, a church uh, structure that we, that we see in the early church, and there is a place for a Bishop of Rome. But like our uh, presiding pastor, or some would call him a, a bishop, he is, um, he is, his authority is the word of God the same authority that we all have. It's the word of God. But this rightful position within the church, the Bishop of Rome, had been corrupted most ashamedly. I mean, terribly corrupted. The Pope, um, but besides, you know, when you say corruption, people think of the moral corruption. Oh, no, 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 no. It's far worse than that. It's far worse than the Pope having illegitimate children, um, for example. Uh, No, no, it's worse than that. He stood in the very seat of Christ with the duty and the obligation to preach the forgiveness of sins. And instead of doing that, he held that close. Let me hold on to this, this jewel, this forgiveness of sins, and see what I can get out of you for this. Oh, every time the coin in the money box rings, a soul from purgatory springs. You know, this was the the rhyme that they would use and they would go around trying to 
trying to get people to pay. Well, they had noble ideals. I suppose they wanted to build a beautiful basilica, which is there today. I mean, this is the basilica in Rome that you see today. That's the uh, that's St. Peter's Basilica that was built with all of this, uh, this money. Paul wrote to the Romans that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. That is the chief article of the faith. But instead of speaking that pure word of gospel as Christ commanded, the, the, the Pope said no. You can't have it unless you play by our rules. Give so that we can build. Pay so that we can be enriched. Do not dare to contravene our official teaching, even though it violates scripture. And dare I say, in some cases, violates their own canon law, which is something that Luther did point out. This is, in fact, the seat, the position of Antichrist that we are warned about. It's the the person who stands in the position where they are required to give you the forgiveness of sins, and they withhold it. It It is a terrible place. Today, though, in that... With that understanding, you know, knowing the, the severity of this, today is not just a day for merely remembering the funny witticisms of Martin Luther or the rich heritage of the Reformation Church, the great hymns composed by the Reformers, including Dr. Luther himself, even the, the greatest musician who ever lived, a Lutheran, Johann Sebastian Bach who also has, uh, um, we sing his tunes in some of our hymns. I mean, look, I have a Luther bobblehead. I even have a little Luther Duplo action figure that he's, he's, but instead of like holding a sword that he wields, he's got a pen, like a quill in his hand, you know. I'm all for that. And we wear red and we uh, celebrate the day. And Why? Because today is the day that we remember what it is that makes the church. It's not just about our heritage. It's about the very gospel. What it is that actually defines and makes the church the church. It is the chief doctrine by which the faith stands or falls. See, we can teach about Adam and Eve. We can teach about the fall in the garden. We can teach about Cain and Abel, Noah and the great flood, the Tower of Babel, the time of the judges, the kings, the prophets, Jonah and the whale, Elijah and the showdown at Mount Carmel. Oh, we can teach about the moralism of the scriptures. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't commit adultery, don't murder, worship God alone. We can even go so far and be so successful in our endeavors to turn out decent, moral people who strive to live according to God's law. But if we fail to get the chief article right, we're no church at all. And I want to repeat this so that it is very clear where we stand because it's the same place that Martin Luther stood and that the reformers have stood for 500 years. If we fail to get the chief article right, We're no church at all. We 
can't just pick on the Catholics or the Baptists or anyone else. This is within Lutheranism. We get this wrong. We do get this wrong. And so we have to remind ourselves, this is the chief article. It's not about our moral living. That's all great and wonderful. And that needs to happen and does happen. But why? Because we're working and striving to like climb the ladder one rung at a time. God, I'm getting closer and closer to you with each truth I tell. And each time I resist this sin, I'm getting closer to you. No. We only do that because that's who we've been made to be. But we get close to God by faith, by receiving the promise that he's given us. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That's the scripture. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. You know yourself and you know your sin. You can cover it up, perhaps, so the world doesn't see it. But you know it and God knows it. So what do you do? Get busy keeping the law. Pay into the coffers of the church. May I say that maybe your God, if you were to answer yes, that that's what you need to do, pay into the church or, or uh, get busy doing the works of the law, maybe your God is a desperate pauper who's in need of your riches. Oh, please, I need your money. Maybe, maybe he's an insecure little sissy God who needs you to flatter him. Oh, God, let me extol you with good, big, important sounding words. Maybe he's the captain of the morality brigade. And unless you can muster the self-righteous of the most pure cultic Mormon, you know, no caffeine, you know, nice, nicely dressed, everything just perfect and right. You know, maybe you can't pass muster unless you can achieve that level of morality. But the answer, of course, to all that is no, that's not God. No, brothers and sisters, God is gracious and merciful. He's abounding in steadfast love. He wants that no person should perish, but that all should come to Christ and receive the forgiveness that is secured in Christ Jesus in his suffering and his death. God desires your broken and contrite heart. Yet even in contrition, your heart will fail to be contrite enough. Fear not. (laughs) Your lack of contrition, full contrition, is even one more sin for which Christ has died. I'm not faithful enough. He is faithful. You think of the, the man who said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. It's a confession of the faith and a confession of sin all bundled up into one. And Jesus says, you bet, you bet. That's exactly why I came, was to give you faith in increasing measure and to give you salvation. This is the chief article, the chief doctrine. And on this, the church stands and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's the promise of scripture. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. So on this Reformation Day, remember that the law says, do. 
But the gospel says, done. For the sake of Jesus Christ and his bitter suffering and death on the cross, your sins have been atoned for. God is propitiated toward you, a sinner. By grace you are saved, and this is a grace that is free and boundless. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.